afternoon. Thank you, Ron, by the way. There's a process and an order to all things. In my line of work as a quality inspector, everyone that touches the product before me must follow the process to make sure it's fresh. All the time I'm finding errors. Where the process was not followed correctly, a lot of the time, it's a matter of somebody going too fast or just not reading the instructions to make sure that they're following the process correctly. We need to follow the process to make sure we put a good product out. Because if we don't follow the process, we don't have any problems. Which reminds me of many years ago when I was not using the process. I used to work for General Electric and I would build generators for X-ray machines batteries that I would assemble, and I had done these batteries hundreds of times, so I felt like, I got the process, I can do this, it's not a problem, I don't need to read the, the process instructions, I, I got it, I got it, I can do it. So, I was so used to doing this particular process without reading the instructions, I, I just thought I had it. Well, what I didn't know was, one of the quality engineers had recently updated the process. somebody else working on these batteries, and the person came up to me, and they said, hey, Sean, have you claimed your $5 yet? I'm intrigued. I'm like, $5? What's the $5 all about? And he hands me the work center process instructions, and I turn to the back of the process. I was reading through it, and it says, Sean, if you have read this procedure, please come and claim your $5. <laughs> so, I went to the... Uh, Engineer and I said, "Hey, do I get my five dollars?" And he's like, "Really sorry, Sean, but I wrote that about two months ago. I wanted to see if you'd been following the process." So, needless to say, I did not get the five dollars. But I learned an important lesson that even though you think you know something is correct and the way it should be, you need to make sure you're on top of the process and not just assume that you think you know it. So, regarding following the process, a lot of you. Because of this flood, first of all, I wasn't paying attention to the process when I started the flood. Because had I not got distracted and left the room, wouldn't have flooded our house. So regarding all of that, um, the restoration company hired movers to come in and get all our stuff out because the floor was ruined. The laminate flooring had buckled and damaged because of the water. So. They said, okay, anything that's on the laminate flooring, we will move out because we have to put new flooring in. We'll put it in our climate-controlled facility. So Tim and I got to thinking, we really don't want them moving our big sofas. We had a big sectional. Let's move that into the dining room, which is on a tile floor. So they'll leave that alone. But everything that was on the laminate, they were supposed to move out. So we strategically moved things into the bathrooms and into the dining room, but we did not want them touching. Seems pretty obvious, but they were 
us to forget. But, so while we were staying elsewhere, I trusted, well, the, the moving company must have a process. They know how to do things correctly. They'll move it and be gentle with things. Because we were told they would come in and pack up everything. They would take the sign out, put it where it's supposed to go. And we were a little reluctant, so we did push our kind of covers into the bathrooms and into the dining room so they wouldn't be messed with. So regardless, all these things were supposed to be boxed up correctly and out of the house. So they came and moved our stuff while Tim and I were at work place that we were staying at outside of the house. We come back in and we look around and they had moved a bunch of stuff on top of our couch in the dining room, like pictures and an old dirty rug and not nicely either, just like thrown on there. We thought, these people are supposed to move the stuff out. And they took stuff all over our mantle and went into the garage and there's more things piled into the garage. There's stuff everywhere. So they did not follow the process. So, because they had done such a horrible job, Tim and I thought, we had really better watch this process when we're moving this stuff back in. So, we took the day off, and we stayed there, and as they were moving stuff back in, we noticed that a lot of the stuff was in shambles that they had not put in boxes. We had a big um, armoire full of books, which made it extremely heavy, so it damaged that, and then the books just fell out all over the floor when they opened it up, and uh, Tim also had uh, an arts and crafts hut that they had just left everything inside of, and it fell out. But it was really important, the gaming system, they wrapped that up nice and tight. <laughs> it was protected. And then the stuff piled up all on top of that inside a big box. And what else was there? Oh, we had a chest that had fine china in it, we figured we'd at, they'll definitely take that out. So they just left it in there and wedged a blanket down inside. Thankfully, none of that broke. But anyway, it was a disaster. So, when they showed up on the day for us to have the stuff moved in, the communication was so bad that the people that even were supposed to be putting the floor in weren't finished yet. So they had to rush to get the floor done just so the movers could get this stuff into the house. So, terrible communication all the way around. And at one point, um, I had noticed that the flooring people had made a mistake uh, that needed to be fixed. And when I called the go-to guy at the restoration company, I told him, I was like, hey, did the transition strip? They've got the, the flooring up against the ceramic floor. It's not going to fix. And his reply to me was, just trust the process. <laughs> and I thought, seriously? After this whole mess with the movers, we're supposed to trust the process. And he's like, yeah, he, he probably knows what he's doing. Just don't worry about it. So, okay. And Tim and I just about laughed out loud when he said to trust the process. So, come to find out that uh, later on, after they had got everything moved in, the person doing the floor came to that spot and he was like, oh, I made a big mistake. So, he realized it as well the transition strip is one that goes against the floor and he had put it too tight, so he's going to have to cut it all back. And he apologized, and I said, well, things happen. I mean, he just assumed he had a certain type of uh, strip and he really didn't. So he, he assumed it without really following the process better. But he's human, and we make mistakes, so we, it's okay. Just go ahead and, you know, fix it, and it was fine. So we were also told that you're supposed to put a vapor barrier underneath your floor, 
and I had two people tell me directly, put a vapor barrier underneath your floor, even though it's vinyl, because the restoration people told us, we don't need one, you'll be just fine, and I know better, because I had, I know people that have had a situation where they had water damage because it come up through the floor, so we went ahead and put that vapor barrier down, even though they told us we didn't need to. And our go-to guy with the insulation company said, hey, I found out, by the way, even though you're not, you don't have to have that, it voids your warranty if you don't. So it's important to listen to what people are telling you. When you know, two people say, hey, you need to do it, you need to do it. So with that said, uh, there's been a lot of events come up over the past few months that have really got me thinking about the life that we live and the challenges we face and how quickly things can change. Like, all this stuff going on. Uh, just with having a kidney stone as well and a blood clot, a lot of things can happen. And we really can't fall, fully trust man's process, but we, we can trust God's process. He has a process within us that he's changing us and he's working through us. Sometimes we have to go through some scary times, but we need to remember to trust him that he has our back. Speaking of unknowingly about a week ago, uh, we got new flooring, obviously, and then we got some new baseboard to come in because they felt bad about all the mess up with the moving people coming in and such. They made us a deal, we'll, we'll buy your baseboard for you. So we're like, okay, that's fair enough. So I was putting the baseboard into the garage, and the door wasn't quite closing because it was like 20 foot long. So I situated it so that I could get the door to close, but then the sensors weren't working quite right. So I'm banging on the sensor trying to get it to work, and you're fiddling around with it, and there's a lot of cobwebs there, and I'm like brushing the cobwebs away. Um, go ahead and put up that first picture, Brian. That's a black widow spider. That was in my garage right next to the, you can kind of see that there's a dispenser there for the garage door. And I'm banging on that, moving all the webs around, not realizing that there's a dark black widow within inches of my hand. By all means, he should have bit me because I was not being gentle. I'm shaking things around. And I didn't know it was there until a couple days ago. Kim was in the garage putting the bookcase out there with the books. And she's like, you know, we got a black widow spider there in the corner. So I looked it up, and it was a black widow uh, for sure. And they're like, I think, 10 to 12 times more poisonous than a rattlesnake. So I really felt like I need to be careful what I'm doing. But God protected me in that moment. I mean, I could have gotten bit, and he took care of me. So I'm very thankful for that. Not to put anybody else on the spot individually, but I just think of all the people that are going through so much right now. And you can see God's intervention in their lives, and it's very encouraging just to see this thing happening. And Lori having a, I mean, I didn't want to say anything about people individually, but just so much is going on with, with people having miracles in their lives, God intervening and helping them. And the list is growing all the time on our prayer list. It seems like people are um, just becoming ill and there's things going on, there's, there's just a lot of trials people are having. And the world is becoming more evil all the time. But we still get up every day, we pray, and we go about our day trusting the process. We have to completely trust the process in God that he knows what's best for us and that he's helping us. I'd like to look at some examples in the Bible of those who trusted in God's process. So first of all, let's go to Genesis 6, verses 8 through 17. But Noah found grace in God in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was 
a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupt, was corrupt in their way on the earth. God said to Noah, to the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. So this is God's process, instructions for Noah. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits in width, 50 cubits at its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubic above. Set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with a lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself will bring flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. God gave Noah a process to follow, and Noah trusted that process. For 120 years, Noah worked on building that ark. And I'm sure he was made fun of. I'm sure he was ridiculed, called a lunatic. What's this thing? You're building a boat? We don't need that. But he followed God's specific blueprints on how to build that ark. And Noah was also told to gather up the animals, which I'm sure was no small task. Just trying to get our dogs to do something is pretty hard to do. We just have two of them. I can't imagine loading up all the animals that he had to put upon the ark like he did. And I'm sure that he did not try to cut any corners. He had uh, the perfect quality inspector. He had God inspecting his work, making sure that he was doing it correctly. So I'm sure that, like a contractor, people you have now that do work for you, I'm sure that Noah was spot on to make sure that ark was built as it should be. So go with me now to Genesis 7, verses 13 through 16. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after every kind, every creepy thing that creepeth on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So notice that. At the end of the verse, it says God shut him in. So Noah didn't close the door. God did. Noah followed the instructions of the process to build that ark as God told him to do so. But ultimately, God was the one that shut the door There's so much symbolism in this story for the purpose of this message. I just want to point out the fact that God has us covered. God covered them in that ark. He protected them against everything, all the craziness that was going on around them, with the world um, just being destroyed at that time. God was protecting them. So he will shut us in as well. We just need to trust the process that he has given us to follow it. And I'd like to show the next slide, Brian, if you do that. I love visuals, and I just think this is pretty cool. Never be afraid to do something new. Remember, amateurs built the ark. 
is God that closed the door and protected them. And professionals built the Titanic, but where did it go? So we need the process. Follow the process. All right, let's turn to another example of trusting the process. So we're going to go to Genesis 18 now, verses 9 through 15. Then they say to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And we're breaking into the context. This is where the angels showed up. And God talked to Abraham, and he told him, um, well, we'll go to the rest of the story here. So he said, here in the tent, and he said, I certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, and she was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and of well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, I have grown old. Shall I have the pleasure, Lord, of being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I can... God's telling them he can do anything. At the appointed time, I'll return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have have a son. But Sarah denied it. She said, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, you did. You did laugh. But uh, God can do all things. Do we at times put limitations on God as well? I mean, Sarah's like, man, I'm I'm like 90 years old. I can't have a kid. But, But God can do anything. Because we are physical beings, it's easy for us to through humanize. Aaron, Sarah, Abraham and Sarah could have uh, avoided a lot of headache, a lot of stress. If they had just trusted in God that he would bless Sarah with a child instead of taking matters in their own hands, trying to do their own process, instead of uh, trying to have children of Hagar, the maidservant, if they had just followed God's process and listened that he would bless her with children. So let's go now to Proverbs 3, verses 5. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. So we need to trust in God. Try not to lean on our understanding, but He can do these things through us, through His process. Sarah was looking through her human eyes, not fully trusting that God can do anything she wants to. He can perform a miracle to make it so she can have children. He created her. He created a reproductive system. He can do all these things. We also know there are times where God will allow his process to be revised as well. So skipping down in Genesis, we're going to go to Genesis 18, uh, verses 20 through 33. And the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because there is sin... And it is very grave. I will go down there and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. They had left when they were talking to Abraham and Sarah. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So he's pleading with God to see if he'll uh, save some of the people there. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? 
far be it from you to do such a thing as to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous would be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not judge all of the earth, be right. So the Lord said, if in Sodom, 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes, for the 50. Then Abraham asked and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five, less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy the city for lack of five? So he asked, If there be 45, so he said, If there be less than 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again, saying, Suppose should there be 40 found there. What do you think? Would you save them from 40? He said, well, I will do it for the sake of 40. So he's uh, seeing if he will kind of change the process a little bit. And then he said, Lord, don't be angry. Uh, I will speak. Suppose 30, let's say 30 are found. So he said, I will not do it if there's 40. And then said, indeed, now I've taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. And he said, let the Lord not be angry. I will speak one more time. Suppose 10 should be found there. He said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way, and he finished speaking in Abraham and with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place, being in God. So God shared with Abraham his plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because he wanted to see what would Abraham do. He wanted his input on this. So let's go back now to a little bit before that. Genesis 18, verses 17 through 19. And this is where it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham surely will become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, and may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So he wanted to have a covenant with Abraham that he was going to make him a mighty nation. So God was testing him to see how he would react because he was to become a mighty nation, also knowing that his nephew Lot was there with his family in Sodom. You know, someday we may be rulers over cities ourselves. We're told that we may have that promise in the future. So how do we act and treat others? Is God preparing us now to see what we will do? I think he is in a lot of ways, uh, seeing how we react to people as well, and uh, trying to understand and help. Like we know ultimately Sodom and Gomorrah needed to be destroyed because of their sinful acts, because they weren't repentant. But we need to see what we are doing to help people out as well. How are we going to run cities in the future now? We're being tested now to see how we will, will react. So he was just kind of testing Abraham, I think, to kind of see his thoughts on the matter as well. So we're going to look at another example of how God was testing Abraham as well. He was going to follow the process. We're going to go to Genesis 22, verses 1 to 17. Now it came to pass that these things that God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then the Lord, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him as a burnt offering in one of the mountains in which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, 
and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place which God had told him. So he was following the process that God was asking him to do. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the young lad will go yonder to worship, and we shall come back to you. So Abraham took... I never noticed that before, but it says, we will come back to you. So, I like that. He said, we will come back. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father? And he said, here I am, son. And he said, look at the firewood. Where is the lamb for the burning offering? And Abraham said, My son will provide. My son, God, will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. They came to the place in which God told him, and Abraham built the altar there, and he placed the wood in the order, and he bound Isaac his son. And he laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand took out his knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called upon him, excuse me, called upon him from heaven and said, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. But now I know you fear God since you have withheld your son, your only son from me. So, Abraham succeeded in his uh, in his task that God had given before him. He followed the process. He knew that God would take care of him, and he was to honor what God said to do. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, and he looked up, and behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the thorns. So Abraham went, and he took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord shall be in the in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of the heaven, and he said, "By myself I have sworn," says the Lord, "because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessings I will bless you, and multiply I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of which on the shore of the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies." This was the ultimate test of Abraham's faith to see if he would trust and follow God's process, which he did successfully. Like Abraham and Noah, we have to continue to trust the process that God is working within us. Abraham didn't know exactly what was going to happen with Isaac. I mean, it did say that we will come back, but ultimately he trusted God, though. He knew that you know, God could bring Isaac back as well. But like Abraham and Noah, like I'm saying, we have to continue to trust the process, and God is working within us. We cannot trust our own process. It will disappoint us every time if we try to trust our own process. We have to follow and allow God to work the process out with us. In the example of our floor being done, there was a lot of lack of communication between the people involved 
we needed to have constant communication. We have to have constant communication with God to be able to trust the process. If we're not in communication with God, how are we, we going to follow this process? We have to be in complete communication with Him. We did not trust the process with the disaster cleanup people because their lack of communication being shared with us and with their vendors uh, made a lot of extra stress. But God's process is perfect. Man's is not. Go with me now to 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through his resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are not kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more than the precious, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, This verse just reminds me of the great work that God is doing within us. He's talking about um, how gold is refined and tested by fire. It's reminding me of the forging event uh, that the men's group all did together. A lot of us... um, Matt has a friend up in Claremore who has uh, little forging stations in his garage. And we were able to take pieces of rebar and transform it into other uh, objects that he had uh, set out. He could make a little leaf or a hook. There's different things that we could create out of this piece of rebar. And it reminded me that God is working through us, changing us. He's the potter with the clay. He's the refiner of the fire. He transforms us. He's working through us to make a great process through us. We just need to trust that process. And it was just uh, fun to to do this event. I've got pictures of it on my phone if anybody would like to see of just what we did. But um, it's just a great reminder that he is working through us to change us and and help us to take just a piece of rebar and make something better of us. So in conclusion, when I'm done up here, I'd like Brian to show a short video of how God can be looking out for us even when we're not aware of what's going on, like that black widow that could have struck out and and didn't. Uh, We just need to follow his process and know that he's there. So, in conclusion, we have an awesome inheritance. We just need to stay in the race and trust the process that God is working within us. Times ahead are going to be difficult. To the likes that we've never seen before. It says that it's going to be like no other time ever in history. And we know that past history, there's been some pretty pretty bad stuff happening. But we don't need to be fearful of that. We just need to be close to him, remaining faithful, and trust his process.
it's good to funnel your customers.